Hello and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. I hope that your February is going amazing. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy February, just in general. Happy Super Bowl also. Um, Shout out to my sister whose birthday is this month. My sister and I are very close. Um, She's always been a guiding light to me. And when we were younger, it was so funny. We always fought all the time because... We have like a six-year difference between us. And as we got older, oh, that totally changed. And now she's like my best friend. Oh, now she's going to be mad at me that I said like my best friend. So, but I'm not your best friend. All right, a story for another time, everyone. But I'm excited for this episode. I was so on fire. So today's episode is with Venchel St. Deek. And um, she was amazing. Venchel was just this force of accountability, coaching, empowerment. So uh, Venchel is the author of Journey to Redemption and Faith in the Amazon bestselling book, Passport to Self-Discovery. Um, and now she's also a writing coach and she serves um, minority communities in all kinds of ranges. And what was super great about Venchel was that she has a plan. You could tell she's the type of person to say, we're going to figure this out. You know, we are going to have a plan. We're going to hit roadmaps, but we're going to figure this out. And I felt like, you know, if you went to her and you were saying, you know, I'm stuck or I'm not sure or I have doubt, you know, she would be that kind of person who could say, don't worry, you know, I got your back. So, I mean, so many amazing nuggets inside this interview. Um, So, again, she is the CEO, founder of Pathway Coach Writing, and her resources will be linked in the show notes. Before we jump into the interview, just a heads up, I am looking for beta readers. So, as some of you might know, um, I had a book out there um, about dictation and writing, and I decided to pull it down along with my other books, Um, you know, and that's an episode previously, which was about, you know, coming to terms with your writing and being open to editing. And so that was one of the books that came down. Um, So now we're in these different stages. And if you're interested in being a beta reader, this is a nonfiction book about the different types of ways that you can approach dictation for writing your novel. Um, Go to blackheartedstudios.com forward slash beta. You will find a Google form there. Ask a couple of questions to make sure that this is the right spot for you. And I look forward to your support, whether that's giving me your thoughts, whether that's saying I'm going to, you know, share this with somebody that I know or, um, you know, share it on my social media, things like that. Your support means the world to me. So if you are interested in being a beta reader slash supporter, go to blackheartedstudios.com forward slash beta um, and you'll find the Google form there and then we'll be in touch. All right, everyone. I am so excited and I think you're going to get a lot from this episode. Let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. All right, and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Hello, Venchel. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Marcel. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, my gosh. It's such a pleasure. I mean, as we were talking about before, having fellow writers, having um, a fellow book coach, I'm excited for you to be on here. So, you know, I'm not going to do your bio justice. So, Venchel, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone in the audience? 
Yes. Um, so again, my name is Vinchelle Sandik. Um, and as you mentioned before, um, I am a writing book coach. I'm also a professional editor, uh, who has been in the industry for about, or for more than eight years now. Um, and in my background, actually, because I have a nine to five and then, you know, pathway coach writing is my side business or my passion project, uh, for about, well, yes, my background is in public health, specifically in health policy, um, and then I'm currently pursuing a doctor degree with a focus on behavioral health policy. Again, don't ask me what I'm trying to do, like how am I, how am I going to refine it right now, because I'm still in that process, but it's been very interesting you know, really helping people out with their dissertations for the past seven years. And then now being in a position where I am going to actually go through that process myself. And so I'm very excited to be here because I am passionate about writing, but I'm also passionate about public health. And, you know, my life's work has been trying as best as I can to combine these two. And, and it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect alignment all the time. But I'm hoping that I can find like the sweet spot at some point in my life for sure. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, you know, that kind of immediately brings us into, you know, how did you start? So did you start with dissertations? How did you start into into book coaching? So with the book coaching, uh, to be honest with you, it started with uh, like referrals. Like there were students, like when I was back in college, who would ask me to give them second opinions on their like <laughs> on their papers, uh, and then ask me if I was like willing to edit. And that's how it started, really. Um, you know, people just asking me to assist them with their projects, and then it kind of became, it kind of took a life of its own. Like more people started doing that. And then it was not until I would say maybe right before the pandemic, one of my friends said, Vinchelle, like you can't keep doing referrals. Like you got to have a website. Like no one knows you out there in the, the, in the ethos, right? Like in that space. And I wasn't, to be honest with you, I wasn't too crazy about the virtual world, but I said, you know what? I have a funny feeling even before the pandemic happened that people are going to gravitate towards these virtual services. Um, and again, just in case, and, and I understood where my friend was coming from like just in case like something happens to one of these referrals it's like okay you have a backup right of where you can get more clients and so that's how it really started with me it was just getting these side projects like helping people out and then realizing that I have a gift uh, for it and a talent for it. Um, and even with the friend who told me to create the website like she would have me write actually like you know portions like I think like I think there was an article that we both wrote together mm -hmm. and it got posted uh for the World Bank or I don't even remember anymore and I said you know what maybe this is something that I can do full-time and so that's how I started and and um I didn't go the typical route you know t you know like when you start a business people will write their business plan first and have all of that fleshed out Listen, I did not do that. I did not have the time at the time to do all of that. I did the market research analysis for sure, but I jumped right in. I jumped right in because I, you know, I had previous experience working with clients and I said, you know what, if nothing else, what I'm going to do 
is allow my clients to tell me what's working, what's not working, and then refine my business plan based on what they shared with me uh, and then tailor my services. And that's how I went about it. And it worked for me. Um, I'm not sure if it would work for everyone, but I just felt more comfortable doing that because knowing how I think, and I tend to be like a deep, like, analytical person like sometimes for those of us who love to analyze things we can get into this analysis paralysis and I said okay Michelle just like started because if if not it's going to take like five years it's going to take five years for you to get this done so it's just that that's that's that was my approach you know in terms of like starting this business in coaching and in writing for sure I love that. I love that because I feel like it's so relatable to writing itself, you know, which is sometimes you're like, okay, well, I have to do the structure. I have to do the characters. I have to do the dialogue. And sometimes you're like, okay, let's just start. Let's just dive in, you know, um, instead yeah. of having to overwhelm yourself if, if that's not how you work. Um mm-hmm. I love that. And that's one of the things why I wanted uh, to have you on the show, too, was because you are um, someone who, you know, you are helping, you're helping other people. And I'm curious, I think that that you also uh, cater to a specific group. Is that correct? Do you serve minorities? Yes, yes. I serve minorities. I serve everyone, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I serve everyone. I think that... I'm I'm glad that you put an emphasis on minorities. Um, like Prince would say, like there's nothing minor about us, right? We're just like excellent. We're brilliant. We're true, brilliant. True, true. And so I think um, the reason why I, we I'm, I'm glad that we put an emphasis on on us is because there's a lack of representation in the writing and editing industry. Because if you go, even when I was doing my market analysis, it was like, it was like literally trying to find like a needle in a haystack, like just to find like a person of color who's an editor or who's a publisher. And that's when I realized, you know what, there is a need, you know, for people like us to be part of this movement of like amplifying the voices of people who have either been silenced or who just haven't found, you know, people like us to help them out. And so, and so, yes, no, I definitely felt like there was like a need, (laughs) you know, to like, you know, to help people like us. And I think also it may be because of when you read stories about our cultures from the lens of an outsider it hits you differently. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why, like, when I read books, like, if I want to, like, I have I have friends and I have mentors who are from Peru. If I want to learn about Peru, I don't read, I typically will read a book that's written by a Peruvian first. Then I will do a comparative, a comparative analysis between that and then a book written by someone who's not Peruvian. You know, because it's just, I think sometimes it's hard, you know, to tell people's stories if you're not from that country. That's oh, just yeah. my personal opinion. So. Yeah. No, totally. I think there's a difference. And there's uh, there's nuances. You know, there's things that happen inside cultures, within generations. Yeah. yeah. That you can't pick up if you're not part of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Now, did, did that you know, you felt that calling. Did that come right away to you or was that something that you realized? 
It it was not something that came right away. I mean, I was dragging my feet for a long period of time. I mean, I, that's why I even brought up the whole website thing. Um, I think I think that oh, I had to do my own research on why I wanted to even start this, mm-hmm. because you know, just like with nonprofits. I mean, all of these nonprofit organizations have great causes, but there is something called oversaturation of the market. And I kept asking myself, why me? You know what I mean? Because you can have a great idea, and this is something I've learned over time, but you may not be the right messenger. And so I kept asking myself, okay, like I want to I wanna create this business, but am I the right messenger for it? And what's going to be the purpose of it? And also, how am I going to stand out? I know it sounds terrible, but how am I going to stand out from the rest of the people who are already providing these services, right? Um, How am I going to stand out in, you know, say, in this AI-centric culture now? And and it was it was a tough I think like those questions like helped me realize that you know what like yes you know worst case scenario if things don't pan out I can always fall back on something else but at least I won't say that I didn't try you know but it's not something that came easily to me because it took me at least 6 months to do this market research and just realize that you know what like I don't have anything to lose let me put myself out there and then also I realized that most of the services were not catered to students. And so I said, you know what? Maybe like this is like a like a extra population, like an additional population or group that I can add, you know, as my as as part of being my as part of my clientele. Mm-hmm. Um I also noticed that executive leadership or entrepreneurs were not included in that group as well. And so in terms of like book coaching, and I said, well, maybe those are also people I could work with. So it was more, I guess my market research really focused on who, who was not being, who was not being served and how can I serve these people? How can I tailor my services for these individuals? Oh, wow. And so then at that point, like that, that your research showed you that. And you're like, okay, now I understand why I'm the messenger. Right. Now I understand why I'm, I'm the messenger. And also don't forget, I have a, I have a, um, I have a background in health, in a health related field. Um, and typically when people, when people work with us, they automatically think that we're going to just be interested in research, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, I have worked with people who are writing their memoirs. You know, I have people who are interested in um, turning their manuscripts into a children's book. I mean, talking about the nuances, right? And mm-hmm. so I think what it helped me do is test my assumptions on what I currently think like these these populations may need or these groups of people may need. And then start like doing focus group interviews, you know, while I'm working with them to really understand, you know, the the changes that are happening in terms of the needs that that are needed in the writing industry for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Oh, so so that that brings me to the question. Um so I I feel like sometimes book coaches have a different definition as to what they do. So I'm curious, how would you define yourself as a book coach? I am a book coach who is 
who is not going to promise clients um, that their books are going to be New York Times bestsellers. I think that uh, I'm a firm believer of not giving people any false hopes. I believe that I am I am someone who is an idealist, but I'm also very pragmatic. And I really help my clients focus on the process of writing. And I think that we've gone away in a like we've we've moved away in some shape or form from that because we're looking for convenience. And sometimes convenience type of writing is not necessarily quality writing. And so I really help them focus on that and help them honing on on their skills because I work with clients who have uh, minimal level of experience to people who are considered experts, however you're defining that, uh, who are advanced, I guess, I guess an advanced level of writing. And when I work with these different people, like, you know, again, based on their levels of writing, like you can clearly tell that. I feel like our society hasn't really done them like justice because even like in academic institutions, when you think about it, a semester goes by very quickly. And so when are you really going to have the time to teach someone like, you know, proper syntax and how to put sentences together? Like everything is being done on a whim. And so that's why for me, like I said to myself, if I'm going to teach anyone how to write, like we got to start with the basics. Even if you're coming in like at, at an advanced level, there's always going to, I always teach my clients, like there's always something to learn. Like even for me, like even if I consider myself to be um, an excellent writer, I always say to myself, well, Vinchelle, like, what is the gap analysis here? Like, what is something that you could do better? You know what I mean? Uh, what could you learn from Ernest Hemingway? But what can you learn from, like, um, you know, from the current contemporary writers, right? Like, in terms of their styles of writing, like, there's always something to learn. And so I literally help my clients understand that writing is not a static process. It is an evolving, changing um and beautiful process. Um, and there's, and it's not a marathon. It's, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, I should say. It's a marathon, not a sprint. That's, that's beautiful because I think you're right. Sometimes we get really caught up in like, okay, I want to publish a book. I want to write a book, but you're forgetting that there's so much that can go into a book, the writing, how to make sentences beautiful, how to make them make sense even, you know, which is, mm-hmm. you know, sex can be missed a lot. Um, it's true. I'm curious, what are some of the common obstacles that you find your clients face? Um, I think one of the main obstacles, like when I think about the common denominator between um just amongst writers like I have I have worked with is once they finish writing the book, now what? Like they're able to write the book, but they're not able to brand. They don't know how to brand the book. And that's when I start talking about, well, what about, you know, creating a podcast? Or what about, you know, being on other people's podcasts to promote your book? And so I find myself towards the end sort of becoming like a like a marketer. And again, that's not my field of expertise, but and 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 I would hope and this is like my 
I guess like this is my hope in the future is to be able to be connected to publishers, like having like those those connections with publishers so that once I'm done, you know, uh, helping a client, I can just transfer them to this publisher. And that's something that I want to do in the long run. And yet I think the branding is always an issue because they they're trying to they trying to micromanage you know the perception that people are going to have of them in in their books and I always have to remind clients that once you write a book and once you put it out in the ethos expect the unexpected. You're going to have people who love it and it it resonates with them and you're going to have people who hate it. But your but your task as a writer is to stay true to your core values and to understand that you've published something that is going to, you know, change the world. That's going to and then that has changed you in the process. Right. Um, and then also, I think another obstacle is trying to see sequels within within the book. So sometimes people will write a book and they're like, well, that's it. And I'm thinking, but wait a second, when you were writing about Joe, I'm just making up a name now. You, when you were writing about Joe, like you, you just wrote a couple of sentences about Joe. Like maybe Joe could be like the character for your next novel. You know, it's really trying to see, you know, stories within your own story, right? Additional stories that you could write about or additional ways that you could transform the material that you've already written into different into different formats. So like I said earlier, you have people trying to turn manuscripts into children's books. That's very difficult to do, like to convert an 800-page manuscript to like 15 pages of like material for children, right? Um and so uh, it that's that's another that's one that's another obstacle and then the third obstacle is tailoring the content for different audiences. Uh and that's a spe- that's specifically hard for people who are technical writers. And um it's a it's a skill I think um in terms of trying to write in layman terms for different audiences for children for you know high schoolers for a research community, um, and and that sometimes can be hard for writers to overcome, or for technical writers to overcome. That's that's funny that you should say that because I was a former technical writer, and I totally it's exactly because <laughs> you're writing very broadly. You're like, okay, step one, step two, step three. So you have to be very mm, like no voice, right? So yes, that's that's super great that you hit on that. Um, mm. I love how you approach, you know, your your clients. You and you mentioned this earlier. You said that you make sure that you do like custom tailor made programs. You know, how how do you find like so say a writer I'm assuming like a writer comes to you and they say this is my problem, but you as a seasoned book coach, you're like that's not your problem. This is your problem. You know, how do you find that? I think it's it's through the materials because I've created some resources that I typically share with my clients. Um, and, and I love the fact that you brought this up because sometimes a writer comes in and tells you that they have a problem, but that's not the right problem that they need to solve. Um, it's there's no there's no right or wrong answer here. I think it depends on where. It depends on the level of writing of the person. It depends on the complexity of the problem. Um, 
and I and I actually would ask you like, okay, let's define like let's define one problem. Let's define one problem right now. Um, what is something that you typically? What is one problem that you typically find? And then I guess we can work through that. Yeah, let's see. I think that one of the problems I typically find is when a writer has a story, they have a manuscript, but the arc kind of changes. They have one overarching story, but it falls a little bit, and they have another problem arise, and then they kind of come back to it, but then another problem arises that seems to they fight for center stage. Do you know what I mean? Mm, no, I know exactly what you mean. And and I can think of an example where that happened. But in those types of situations, you like I would ask the client, well, first and foremost, like the, the I would ask the client, what is the overall outcome that they want to, you know, that they want to achieve? Like, what do they want their readers to come away with? Because when you have like, you know, these different points, you know, fighting, you know, to have like to be um at the center of the story, if it's confusing to me, because I always have to tell them I'm a potential consumer too. Like, for example, even right now, right, sometimes like the words can be jumbled in our heads, but we have to try to like, you know, make it coherent. And so when I think about these like differing situations, like I would ask like the client, like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, what are you trying to tell me as a reader? Like, what do you want me to focus on? And then have them focus on that and, and kind of like, instead of focusing on the breadth of information, just focus on the depth of information. Like, you have this idea and let's just keep asking questions to get to the bottom of what you want to share with us as an audience. Um, and then the other option is to break those those differing points into two different projects altogether, you know, because and because sometimes those two differing ideas may not be able to coexist, which brings us to another obstacle, too, that writers typically have is that sometimes we try to make connections between ideas that are just they they they're, they're just not they're not meshing well together. Mm-hmm. Right. It may make sense to us, but once you put it on paper, when you put words to paper, it just doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing too. helping clients be be OK with the fact that just because they have to pivot, it doesn't mean that the idea that they had initially or the connection they were trying to make was wrong. It's just for the objective that they're trying to achieve, for the outcome that they want, for what they want us to get away from with uh, uh, um, for, um, in the book, it's just it's just not a good fit. So that's another that's another obstacle. <laughs> I, I love think that coaches have. Yeah, and you like really you you hit the nail on the head there. You you saw the problem. And you're like, okay, well let's you know you have this option or you have this option. You know, where do you find writers like might have the most resistance? Is it with you know themselves or is it with the work or maybe like even the process after? Um, where do you find that they struggle the most? I think it's all with all the above. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're if you're scattered on the inside, it's gonna definitely show in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also going to show in the process after, you know, after you finish writing the book. I think this is why 
even with my clients, I always have some sort of a plan because I know that without the plan, people may become anxious because they want to know, well, what's next? What's next? And so I come up with this draft plan and I let them know from the beginning. I said, you do understand. I'm just giving you a plan, but this may change, right? You may start writing this book and realize, you know what? I'm not ready to go into step two. Maybe I just want to stick around on step one, you know, defining this outline. And I have this spreadsheet like for novels, like where, um, you know, each tab, like there's one for the plot, there's one for the characters and like for the characters, like again, th- like I have several boxes on, <laughs> on, um, where writers can sort of describe like these characters, like, you know, physically, like emotionally and all of that. And that takes time. <laughs> and so, um, I think it's so important to, you know, to send, um, ground people and being realistic with their timelines and being realistic with what they can actually accomplish. Because there are some writers who will come to me and will say, well, I need, you know, my book to be published um, in like three months. And yet they don't even have an outline. They don't even know what they're going to write about. And so for clients like this, you know, because, you know, we make a living out of this. But to be honest with you, I'm not going to take someone's money if you don't even have a solid outline to even for us to even work with. So one of the things I will say is, well, let's, you know, write the first chapter, write maybe two or three pages worth of content. And then let's let's come back. You know, let's get back together and go from there. And sometimes I'll hear back and sometimes I will not. But what it does for me is that it allows the the potential client to to be realistic with their timeline because life happens in between books. Life happens while you're writing this book. It's not going to pause because you want two hours dedicated solely to write. And so I think it's important to, like I said, ground your clients um and help them become realistic with their timelines um and then also yes create create a plan a draft plan uh that's subject to change yeah and you know that that's such a great uh way that you're approaching it you know and because listeners of my podcast will know that when I first started writing, um, I went like seat of the pants discovery writing and, you know, that worked for a very short time. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah, right. And then you're like, okay, well, you know what? We need a map here. We need. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like, okay, sitting there, which way am I going? Who am I? Where am I going? Um, So mm. absolutely. And that reminds me, you know, I think that, that kind of actually triggered another question for me, which is writer's block. Do you, what do you say to writers when they're like, I have writer's block, you know, I have a feeling that you, maybe you have some sort of mantra, some sort of saying for this. What do you say to them? Um, I wish I could say that I had a mantra. <laughs> I wish I could. It has been a while that I've been doing this. I have been suggesting to my clients, about the Pomodoro technique, uh, where it allows you to write maybe for 25 minutes. It could be a lot shorter than that, you know, to overcome writer's block and to do it while they're listening to music. 
um, because remember when I just shared with you that people will want to dedicate an hour to a writing, which, by the way, I think is very unrealistic. I mean, I'm even saying this for myself. It's very unrealistic for me based on what I just shared with you and what and what I got going on in my life. Um, I usually tell them, like, even if it's just five minutes, just like brain dump, like literally do a brain dump of ideas. It doesn't have to be cohesive. You don't have to have full sentences, but what it does is that once they start, and and I tell them to put it in a jaw. Actually, let me just give you an example. I don't know if you can see this jaw, but I literally tell them like have a jaw, right? This is I have this um because I'm in a doctoral program. Like if I have research questions that come to mind, I just place everything in that little jaw. And so I have them do that in terms of their ideas, because I said to them that at some point, the mind will remember that you took the steps necessary to start writing something, and it will bring you back to that jaw to, like, start, you know, fleshing out some of these ideas. And that has helped a lot for me, but also for my clients. And that's how they've been able to overcome writer's block. Because I think the mind, what it does, when you tell the mind, okay, like I have to find a block of time, like one hour uh, uh, um, during the day to write, it the mind automatically creates or or triggers you to create some excuses. I've noticed that even for me, like when I say that to myself, my mind will say, oh, you know, but wait a second, like you have to go do the laundry, you have to go outside, you have to go to the hair salon. The mind starts creating all these excuses, which further delays you to find an hour within that day to get things done. So instead of doing that, I just tell my mind, you know what, I'm just going to dedicate five minutes or 10 minutes, you know, to write something. Or to you, you to put some some of my ideas down on paper, and I found that the mind, when it sees that it's not a long, it's going to be for a short period of time, it just wants you to get to it like right then and there. It's it's a it, I don't know. I think when it comes to writing, psychology has a lot to do with it as well. Absolutely, especially because um, you know it's an art form that's a little bit different. You know, it's not very right. physical, right? Yeah. Yes. You have to kind of make it tangible and uh, maneuver with it. And break down the, the larger tasks into smaller tasks. For whatever yeah. reason, the mind can handle smaller tasks. But when you give it like those long-term goals and saying, oh, my goodness, I'm going to write 3,000 pages in like six days, it feels overwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, you're so right. That's something that I've... Uh, really understood recently, you know, I mean, I think that one of the ways that I was approaching, you know, uh, writing, which I was like, you know what, this is not quite working, was looking at it from a, a big point of view. But once we really got into like, you know, work on the specific character, write one paragraph, write one scene about the character when they encountered this, you know, that was so much more like digestible. And it, it makes sense that we know we hear it all the time, but we don't always hear it when it comes to writing, right? You know, it's always like, write the 3000 word book, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, I can only imagine like when clients come in and they say that to me, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like, 
I, I just asked him, I said, how are you feeling? I mean, just like, if you say that to yourself, like, okay, I'm going to write 3,000 pages or 35,000 words in six months. How does that feel? And then I let them just share with me their feelings. And most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, they will say, I just feel like it's an impossible task. And so why would you give yourself an impossible task? Let's break down this impossible task into man into something that's manageable, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then also, too, when you do that, if, you, if you're going to write 35,000 words, and that's just an example, mm -hmm. um, what else do you have going on in your life, right? Do you mean right. to tell me you're not going to – you're not going to go outside. You're going <laughs> to you're not going to go outside. You're not going to take care of yourself. You're not going to exercise. You're not going to walk just so that you can get 35,000 words yeah. on paper. Like I don't know, I just have to be realistic with people. I said you got you have to have time to eat. Are you yeah. not going to eat if you, you know, because you want to put 35,000, you know, words uh within like 6 weeks or within 6 months. It's just I think I think that and I think it's a bigger discussion on how I think sometimes in our society we have glorified this whole notion of busyness. Mm -hmm. It's like if we're not busy, then you're not accomplishing anything. If you're not busy, uh you know, it 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 people people are going to question your worth and it has nothing to do with that. I think that it's a bigger discussion on helping writers like understand their worth and understand the value of their time and understanding that just because like even when you know just because you have these big lofty goals like yes we're going to help you get there but we also don't want you to go crazy in the process we don't want you to fall into depression we want to take care of your mental health and your well-being and that's something that's so it's people just look over it. they gloss over that um, and so when I work with my clients, I do not glorify, you know, busyness because I have reaped, you know, I have learned the hard way uh, when I ended up in the ER because I was trying to do too many things and trying to be, yeah, I was trying to be too many things for too many people, for too many clients. And and that taught me a valuable lesson. You know, you you want Everything I'm sharing with you right now is because I've been through it. You know, it's not it's not lip service. And so I make sure that when I talk to my clients, like I keep it real with them and I say to them, like, look, you, you I'm going to get you to where you need to be. But you have to put in the work. And it's also important for us to be realistic with with, you know, how you're going to preserve your sanity and create balance, because when you're in balance, Whatever is going to come out of your psyche, whatever is going to come out of you on paper, it's it's just not it's not going to be your best work. And I don't want that. You know, what I mean, I want you to enjoy every process, every single day of that process that we're going to be together. Um, But, yeah, but that's because, like, you know, I've been through it myself. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. not it's not worth it's the writing piece is worth it. But um not be not being uh, cognizant of how much you can give and overgiving mm -hmm. is is not it's not worth it at least health wise it's not wow yeah that is so wonderful that you said that because i feel like we're 
we're trying to do that here on the show, which is separating also your value from your mm-hmm. writing. Yeah. So good. So good. Thank <sighs> you. Thank you, Vanchelle. So um, that is actually about at our time. And this has been wonderful. So before we wrap out, though, um, are there any like last tidbits of wisdom that you would want to share with the writers? Um, I think I think like in our session, like we've unpacked so much mm-hmm. is that when we're even saying tidbits, like we just went ahead and just dropped <laughs> <laughs> nuggets of wisdom here. But you know. I think that I think that for fellow writers, if, you know, again, just talking to your audience, I think it's just important to, like you said, we talked about developing your core values, you know, separating your core values from, you know, the goals that you have, um, being realistic with your timeline when we when you're working with clients in terms of what you can give and what you cannot give in that moment. Um, and I think also understanding that when we're any any time you want to write something we have to understand that the process of writing happens in season you know happens in seasons and so it's okay you know to write something and to have sort of like a moment of hiatus and to just let things be for a moment so that you can go back to your work with like fresh pairs of eyes and it's okay you know, and then also understanding that when we're talking about worth, and I know everyone is going to have their different definition of what they, how, how they apply or how they've come to understand their worth. You know, your worth is not in the, it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. Your worth is in the process. The fact that you took an hour of your time to work with a coach like us, um, to get, you know, to that final product. Um, just because I think sometimes when we put our worth into the final product, um, you know, we can become disillusioned, especially when we find out that some people may not resonate with our books. Some of them do. Um, and just to be, just to be patient with oneself when it comes to that. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you. And of course, where can everyone find you, Venchel? Oh, absolutely. You can find me on all social media handles. I'm a social <laughs> social butterfly. As much as an introvert as I am, I definitely am on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and then people can find me on Spotify as well. I mean, I've been featured on a few other podcasts. Um, and I think that it's, hey, you know, whatever I can do to share my expertise, whatever I can do to add value, because I think that's what we do as coaches. We add value to people's lives. Uh, that's where you'll find me. Awesome. All right. Great. Well, I'm going to wrap out this recording and I'll, I'll see you right after as I uh, stop recording here. But from the How to Write a Book podcast, Benchel, it has been amazing. Such a pleasure to have you on the show very inspirational and you've definitely added value here thank you again and we are looking forward to hopefully seeing you again in the future yes for sure thank you for having me thanks 
And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Maciel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.